0: Do you ever wish that someone had taught you about personal finance in medical school or residency? Have you ever considered teaching others what you've learned about money? In this show, we will discuss some of the keys to creating a personal finance curriculum for trainees.
1: Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd no long hours or sleepless nights just you me and the financial residency podcast i'm your host ryan inman and welcome back to the show happy holidays to all of you out there hopefully you are having a wonderful time with friends and family and if you're traveling i hope things go smoothly and airports and roads aren't a giant mess i have jimmy the physician philosopher on, Jimmy, say hi. Hey, guys. And we are back with another Wednesday segment where we're going to be discussing the how and why on creating a personal finance curriculum. And I think this is really interesting because Jimmy is literally building this at Wake. And I thought this would change it up a little bit. And we're going to do kind of an interview style format where we can find out what he's actually doing and how you might be able to get something like this implemented at your hospital but before we jump in as always it's time for that important disclaimer
0: this show is not personalized financial advice for you in fact this is for your entertainment purposes and should only be seen as general education neither of us can give you any specific advice on your financial situation through the show so if you aren't a do-it-yourself financial guru you should consult an attorney cpa or a fee-only financial planner like ryan before you go and make any big money decisions.
1: All right, Jimmy, so as we go kind of into the meat of the show here and hit it, hit it right off the bat, I'm kind of cheating here and I'm gonna admit it cause I can see a few of the things that you've jotted down and I wanna make sure we cover all of those on the show. So make sure you hit those. I won't skip ahead cause I wanna tackle all of it. it. It really looks amazing. I'm really excited to jump into this. So I think first let's just start off with what are you actually doing at wake besides your normal day job and i think as you kind of talk about what you're doing like how did you come up for with it and like how are you progressing through this this whole piece of this curriculum
0: yeah so this is something that's been in the works now for over a year and the way that it came about was kind of interesting so i wanted to start something similar at my anesthesiology residency actually and uh had a little bit of pushback because people were concerned about financial advice being given to physicians in training and whether that advice would be good or bad, or just giving advice at all, whether we should do that instead of just having an educational focus. And so I, was allowed to give some lectures, but I was given very tight you know, constraints on how that should happen, and and that's transitioned since then as the ACG ME is now requiring for anesthesia residencies to to teach practice management. So it's it's been a little more of a, a freely given opportunity. But in the meantime, I, I was giving some lectures. I was being asked to give some grand rounds. People knew about my website or the book, and then after giving some talks for some fourth-year med students for their intern boot camp, one of the deans of the medical school. It's Tim Peters, actually, he's a wonderful human being, came up to me and said, hey, so you're doing all this stuff. Have you ever considered making a curriculum for the fourth year medical students, like doing like a certificate program? And I told him, I was like, "Uh, I would love to do that. Yeah, I've I've thought about that because actually I had a guy, Jason Mizell, uh, who is at Arkansas, he's a, a surgeon in Arkansas, come and give a grand rounds so that we could introduce these topics to my anesthesia residents. And Jason's Grand Rounds was the, finally, the straw that broke the camel's back and allowed you know that opportunity to happen that, because they saw how big of a need it was. So Jason, big shout out to him. He's doing wonderful things in Arkansas. But after that, Jason ran into Tim Peters at a different meeting and he came back and, and didn't realize that, that I was the same person that brought him into Wake. So it was kind of like this six degrees of Kevin Bacon, just you know, different people that got to, got to know each other. But when Tim asked me, I was, I was thrilled to have the opportunity. So that's, that's how it came about.
1: That's super cool, I love it. So as you are now been building this curriculum out, what are some of the topics that you are trying to discuss around money? Yeah. So this is a
0: 10-week curriculum. It's happening on Tuesday evenings and significant others, spouses are invited because a lot of these topics are are important for both people to discuss if you're in a committed relationship. And so- Yeah, you're not left out. Exactly. Yeah. I, I want to be as inclusive as possible. And we actually extended this uh, same curriculum to the SRNA, the student CRNA program and the, and the uh, physician assistant program too. We'll see if they end up you know wanting to be involved or not. So the 10 topics, uh, the first one is an introduction to money and psychology of money. So of these 10 topics, I'm only giving three myself. And the first one is, is obviously one of them. So I'm going to dive into a little bit of the numbers and metrics behind this stuff. And so I, I imagine it's going to be a little more like a TED talk where I discuss you know, the, the 50 to 60% of physicians who can't retire at the age of 65 and maintain their lifestyle because they didn't know anything about money and made poor financial decisions. And then kind of link that back to money being the number one stressor in, in people's lives and American families. And so, and then after we touch on the importance and how those the, the wellness aspects relates to the financial aspect, and the reason for that, the wellness aspect is really important because in order to be in a medical school curriculum, one of the easy ways or pitches that you can make is to tie it into other things that they really care about. And burnout and wellness right now are big buzzwords, key topics. And so when you relate financial resilience to less financial stress and better abilities to pay attention during training and focus on training instead... That makes it a very appeasing thing so we're going to talk about how how money relates to wellness and then we're going to talk about some some things that trip trip doctors up uh, you know in their in their financial life
1: yeah make sure you kind of go as you go through the psychology of money to be talking around like the lies we tell ourselves or these like passive barriers that that we have right i hear them all the time i can't invest i don't understand how to do it or understand what it means i can't is is the bane of my existence because i'm like you are a physician you are incredibly smart you can do all of this. It's if you choose to do it and then finding the place that has actually has the right information. So hopefully shameless plug, like the podcast is doing that, but I love that, that you guys are starting it off right by talking the psychology of it, which is the behavioral side. And it's so important.
0: Yeah, and, and people know from our prior episodes that's something that you and I both care a lot about. And I think if you the why behind money and the how to stay away from big mistakes is is infinitely more important than like a step-by-step guide in terms of what to do. And that's actually one of the big things with this curriculum is teaching people how to think about money as opposed to telling them what to do. Those are two different things. It's going to be educationally focused. So the first topics, the introduction, psychology of money. And then number two is budgeting and cash flow. So
1: Ah, um, the dreaded B word. Right. I, I was, I knew it was gonna be in there somewhere. I love it. You can't you can't avoid it. And so, no, can't. We have a a flat fee only
0: certified financial planner coming in to to help us with this chat, and he's actually one of the talks that's given at at Jason's curriculum too in Arkansas. And so we're tying into that. And it's important to kind of understand this topic pretty early because the rest of the conversations don't really matter if you don't have any money to use towards the smart financial decisions that you're making. So if your spending is eating up all of your money and your cash flow, then what's the point of learning the rest? So it's a super important topic.
1: Yep. Teaching the you know, concept of paying yourself first and what comes in and what goes out. It's obviously extremely important because as Casey says always on the Friday shows, you know, it's, it's cash is king understanding where what what's happening with your cash and you know the foundation of the plan is is really built around cash flow so love it
0: yep and so the third topic is on contract reviews or knowing your your worth and so we were privileged enough to have nisha meta from uh she's actually from charlotte so she's in my neck of the woods Touch base with her and asked her to come and talk with curriculum and she was she was kind enough to accept and so she's going to be talking about reviewing contracts and negotiation and knowing what your worth is and that you don't have to just sign the contract that comes right in front of you. And And this is just wildly important. And I actually had a, a, a person recently that that I know from work who was working through contracts and discussing partnership tracks and things of that nature. And we, we ended up having some good conversations. And She had a you know talk with her you know her future boss and i don't know exactly how those talks went but she had a smile on her face and was clearly not allowed to talk about them after that so you know i think things went well for her and and it was something that she just didn't even think to ask about and didn't even know was on the table to ask about because that's just not something we're taught so you know that that's gonna be a a big i think a really awesome talk from dr meta
1: yeah I, i mean with contracts obviously you don't have to sign what's there but negotiating is so critically important in order to do that and this is actually the one of the spots that i think a professional really needs to step in you need to have an attorney review that contract and not to essentially help you negotiate although some of them can do that it's really to make sure that you truly understand the fine print we see it a lot with clients that decide to move positions around and all of a sudden signing bonuses are being paid back and uh, you know then there's problem with the tax piece and it's really nice to have an attorney present on those pieces so if you are reviewing a contract just so you know what you're actually signing but i love the negotiation piece and we help some clients do that but having a professional talk you through that is is also extremely important so love that you guys are tackling that so soon in the curriculum because it's really really important
0: yeah completely agree so our, our next two talks are both on student loans and there's two talks for a reason the first one i'm going to Predominantly give and just give a doctor's perspective on why this stuff matters. Why you can't be an ostrich, as you say, and put your head in the sand and just forget about the stuff or forbear on your debt for three to seven years, and and really kind of make the point that this this stuff isn't monopoly money. It, it is very real. You are going to have to pay it back. You are going to have to make decisions eventually, and you can't just ignore it. And so spend a, a big amount of time, you know, talking about the importance of having a proper perspective on debt. I may I may also touch on other forms of debt and why it's important to to stay away from those as well. And the, the next talk is 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 tied into that. So the, the plan was originally, I don't know if this is going to work and this is how curriculums go. You have to constantly refine things each year to see what works, what didn't work. But I was planning on bringing in the financial aid office and having all the students bring in a computer, log into you know, the federal student loans website. And look at their loan situation. And then I wanted every single student that took my curriculum to walk out of it, knowing exactly what they were going to do with their student loans when they left training. At least know, you know, that you're gonna consolidate your debt so that you skip the grace period, you have six extra payments and towards a public service loan forgiveness program. I just want to make sure that they're they're you know, they have the the T set up, the balls on the stand, all they have to do is swing the bat and knock it out of the park. But because our financial aid office actually does a pretty wonderful job, I think that they've already done this with a substantial portion of the the student population. So I, I, this one this one may kind of be, be up in flux a little bit. We'll have to see what the students think after we introduce the course.
1: Yeah, I mean, but this isn't the only place that you might run this out, right? Wake is the, the alpha or the beta of this. And as you start working with other programs. Their financial aid offices might not be in check uh, as, as much as Wake is. So I still think there's a lot of benefit. And then, you know, uh, obviously with Loan Buddy, with what we've been doing, that, that is essentially helps people understand as they're going through the process what they should be doing with their debt. But it doesn't cover that, hey, you should consolidate and move out of grace and all those things. So I love that you're kind of tackling those early. And don't think that everyone knows what to do with their loans, because in my experience, they are an ostrich well uh, yeah i I like that wake is is maybe ahead of the curve but not everywhere uh is ahead so i I still think that's important yeah and i
0: agree and I actually that's one of the reasons why i became passionate about this is because i I forbeared forbeared. is that the uh, right way to say that i went went into forbearance There you go. On uh, on my five years of student loans during my training, uh, because I just like I just knew that if I signed the piece of paper, that my problem went away for another twelve months. It was really easy to do. Unfortunately, it was also the really wrong thing to do. But uh, so I I completely understand people's perspective and, and training on that. But it, you know, if, if you teach them about it and it's not a big deal, like they know the steps and they, they know how to go through it, they don't have to look it up, then I think that they can be prepared. And this curriculum is actually primarily positioned for the 10 weeks before match day. So they've already went through their interview season, they are, you know, in a period where they can actually pay attention to this stuff. They're not worried about like some step exam or, you know, some important class or, you know, or course that they're in like they they can actually focus on this stuff. And so then they'll be allowed to set up all this all these steps and processes in place so that they'll know how to, know how to handle it when it comes up.
1: If it's during that period, you probably want to have a little bit of discussion around other forms of debt because they probably just took some out in order to travel around and interview and all those kind yeah, of things. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay as long as it's within reason and the behaviors around how they got into debt weren't you know because they were overspending yeah train the muscles yeah
0: so the next two are broken up into two different different parts two same topics it's on investing and the reason i did this is because these are the other two talks that i'm giving so the introduction and then these two talks i've given talks on investing before and realized very quickly that, I mean, you start talking about index funds and like you're immediately already over like 80% of the audience's head. They they don't know what a mutual fund is. They don't know what stocks and bonds are. And so-
1: Yeah, you weren't normally trained in it. I mean, you didn't know those things until you started reading and listening and, and getting into the mix of, of what all these pieces are. So it makes perfect sense that they don't know and they got to start from somewhere. So are you doing kind of like an intro, and then kind of a more advanced class.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll start on like really basics, like what are stocks and bonds, equities, you know, and, and talk about vehicles, because I think that trips people up. They're like, wait, wait, so so how how do I invest in an index fund? I'm like, no, like an, in, an index fund is a type of investment that goes within an investment vehicle. Like what's an investment vehicle, okay. You know, and so I, I constantly had a backtrack in my talks to, to talk about what the important points were because they didn't even know what a 403B or a 457 or a 529 are like that. Those things were just, you know, numbers.
1: Yeah, I think I've said it on air a couple of times, but we've had three or four clients now that did not invest in their 403B because they thought it was a scam. Hmm. They didn't understand it, thought it was a scam. They got burned by some insurance, which I know is on your <laughs> list. Uh, Talk about but they got burned with some insurance they thought it was another scam or another thing that to part them with their money when they needed it most and they didn't invest in it so yeah i, I could understand going to the basics and walking them through the vehicle piece and then what you know a more advanced approach yeah. would be
0: uh, so i think it's great yeah and so the, the more advanced one you know i've talk on how do you figure out how much you need to save like your annual savings goal financial independence numbers that sort of thing and then you know, passive index fund investing versus actively managed funds and, and that sort of stuff. So you could see why that would need two different hours of lecturing. And hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll prove some, some good conversation too. It always does. There's always questions.
1: You can do way more than in an additional hour. I mean, obviously you've got this 10 week course, but I, I did a whole show just on basics of retirement planning. Like you can, you can get into a lot. So having to parent it back for what they want and then giving them resources to, look otherwise
0: yep and they're adult learners so that the point of this is to introduce topics and then as their interest grows they can go and learn more about it I'm not going to teach them everything that there is to know in these 10 weeks obviously but you know hopefully this will spark an interest and a need to understand this stuff that will allow them to to know the resources like you mentioned and so
1: or just a basic foundation so they know that when the next one that's coming up which is interacting with the insurance industry because I can cheat and see what you're going they don't get burned by it, so this is all you know. Just building that foundation.
0: Yeah, and 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 that bullet point, you know, should actually say interacting with the financial industry, but the you know the insurance industry is 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 you know a huge huge part of that. So anyone that knows my story knows that I got burned by uh, a disability insurance agent when when I was a fourth year med student. And so this is a very very powerful and important topic to me that that students have to know about because a conflict of interest essentially has prevented me from having personal disability insurance to this day. And and so. I have to, to rely on a group policy, but this talk is one of the other talks given by uh, you know flat fee only CFP, and and this will touch on basically fee models for for financial planners, financial advisors, and also talk on insurance industry practices and how they get paid, wh- what the commissions are, different types of term versus whole life versus you know that sort of thing, and and that'll actually go into the roll into the next talk too, because the purpose of this curriculum is to to touch on the same topic more than once, because that's how good learning happens so you have some rehashing or some some spiral curriculum as my, my wife the educator calls it because uh, you just kind of re- touch on things as you go around but this talk will be about avoiding conflicts of interest in the financial industry and how to fight fair so how to sit across the table have a conversation and be knowledgeable enough that you can Uh, accomplish your financial goals with the help of someone else.
1: Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, I I know that there's some administrators, there's program directors. There's all sorts of people that listen to this show because they write in and tell me. And even they, which is okay, don't necessarily know the difference. And then this is how the insurance industry kind of sets root into some of these programs is they get in through someone who might not understand how the industry works. Then they go through and they present some information but usually it's heavily insurance slanted and then that's where a lot of the residents even new attendings they kind of get taken to the cleaners because it's well this is who my program brought in and i know it's always tough for you to you know the programs to vet everyone that walks in the door but i think this is this might be one of the most important pieces that you talk on altogether, because this is the single way to destroy what a lot of the good things that you might be doing if you buy a whole life policy that has you pay four thousand dollars a month in premium and you realize three years later like oh that was a bad idea like you might have just wasted a hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you can't get out in premiums that have no cash value or very little cash value that could be a massive massive mistake so i i want that one to go higher up but i know that they have to have more of the foundational knowledge uh, in that, but that is that is probably one of the most important things we are going to talk on.
0: No, I completely agree. And, and my favorite. So you can imagine, I've had lots of conversations about this curriculum in the last year, and whenever it gets brought up, some inevitably someone will be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I know this one guy, or I know this one gal that would be perfect. They they would really be able to help you with that." And I'll ask them where they work, and and you know they'll say something like Northwestern or or whatever, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah," and they're even willing to do it for free. Yeah i like, of course they are. Because you, you don't know how the, their business model works. Yeah.
1: So be happy. disability policy, they make 2,500 bucks. They sell one whole life insurance. Like there's 15,000. Of course they'll come talk for free. Yeah. Yeah, they,
0: they come talk for free and then they put a piece of paper down and ask for names and emails and then they hit the people up and offer them a free steak dinner. And then all of a sudden, you know, they have five whole life policy sold. Like who wouldn't do that for free? I
1: love how, and they just got blasted out in the, the public media so we can say about it, but they just put out a thing that to say how they're not fiduciaries and how their goal is to maximize policy sales and how they're not working in the best interest of their clients. Yet these are the ones that get into all these programs because they say they're willing to do it for free.
0: Yep, and so I agree. This that's gonna be one of the most important talks, and I I actually decided to not give it myself and to moderate that talk instead of giving it, just because I can get a little too fiery or passionate about it. And so I figured I might be able to better tame my uh, my words and uh, provide an educationally focused and not charged talk. So the next one,
1: over time, it'll get better,
0: but maybe not yeah maybe we'll see we'll see and who knows like i said it's going to change every year so who who knows what happens going forward but
1: oh i meant your temper oh no No. over time but then i I say that (laughs) and then and then i see you know people that come to work with us all these physicians that have all these policies and i get fired up and casey is always sitting there going it's okay we'll work through it we'll make it better for him and i'm just like how is this legal (laughs) And getting all like on my high horse over here, so yeah. I'm with <laughs> I mean,
0: it's it's tough not to get fired up when you when you start to understand it.
1: But uh, it it infuriates me, and I see. Um, so I've got some other advisor friends that are you know that work with teachers and, and other stuff. So it's not I know it's not just in our industry, but or at least the focus of with physicians. But I feel like seven out of ten physicians just get taken advantage of with this stuff, and it is so frustrating. And in this internet day and age, I'm like just research why this poll is bad. And it's funny. You research whole life for physicians and I'm the first post and it's why it's bad and why you shouldn't do it. And then you could see the four posts above me are all ads from those companies. So it's like, it's not a good thing. They're paying so much money for it, but Oh boy. Okay. Let's move on for it's an hour long talking about that. We're off the pedestal.
0: So the ninth topic is asset protection. I actually have, uh, ironically enough, an insurance agent coming to talk about this, but it'll be moderated. And this is this is one of the reasons for this is having the moderation is because I, I wanted an expert to be able to come in and answer tough questions. Like when someone starts asking about, you know, Cola riders or, you know, they're asking about, you know, future purchase options and all this of stuff. I wanted someone that was a content expert in the field knowing that i'm sitting in the first row and have vetted them extensively looked at the slides i've looked at what they're going to say i've looked they're not allowed to take names they're allowed to get email addresses they've been told this is exclusively for educational purposes and that if they say anything that's salesy i'm going to to stop them so they're told that before they come that said they're going to touch on disability insurance term life why you shouldn't buy whole life insurance they'll talk about probably umbrella insurance policies and and just various ways to protect your assets while you know because this is going to be pretty important or or, or something that you think about when they when they get into training you know because you be getting some of these products pretty soon and these are all fourth year med students who are about to become interns and actually have an income to use
1: and as you do this not just in meds you know to fourth year med students but as you're doing this to residency programs i've done a couple talks to other residency programs and what they found really helpful was i actually just took what like their program could offer like do they have a a guaranteed standard issue or not and just told them like hey you have a really good policy or hey this policy really stinks yeah don't use this one go out and find it or hey this policy is amazing all of you should be taking advantage of something like this because you will get it you know this is the best deal you'll get you know prior to leaving yeah yeah
0: And, and that's that's a great point so i actually the guy that's giving this talk for us asked me for my group policy at wake so i think he's going to use that to compare it to a personal disability policy to discuss how they differ you know personal versus group and why i'm in a awful situation in terms of asset protection because I can't get personal disability insurance. So that's probably going to be a lot of fun to sit through for me because
1: I'm going to get to hear all the reasons why I have a bad financial situation. Face palms the whole time. <laughs> all right. So we've gone through nine. What's our our final topic that you're going to be discussing?
0: So the last one's going to be touching on real estate. I have a, a friend of mine that's coming talk about, talk about that. He's a realtor and he actually is the one that sold us our home and now lives in the same neighborhood he just recently moved. But he's going to talk about one of the most important questions that in terms of timing it's looming in the future, right after you match, one of the first things people do is they like, Oh, should I go buy a house or should I rent where I'm going to training? And so we're going to answer that question, talk about break-even points, and you know why it probably doesn't make sense to buy a house during training most of the time, and and how to sort through that decision. So that we're re- really comparing apples to apples because people are like, oh, but the the rent's less, you know, the rent's more expensive. Well, of course it is, and just let them know how to think through that process. So they can make a better decision, or at least be you know more well informed.
1: Yeah, I, that question, you know, should you buy a home during residency? and you know should i pay off debt or invest those are the two biggest questions that i get all the time i definitely think covering this should i buy a home and residency is a good one is there approaching residency and 90 percent of the time it doesn't make sense but they don't know why it doesn't make sense so if you're breaking it down and saying like this is why rent is usually more expensive but here's all the things that go into home ownership all the reasons they cost and if you decide to leave in three years and you didn't stay on you know and you went somewhere else you're gonna have to sell that home and even if you bought it or sold it at the same price that you bought it at you have all these transaction costs and here's everything that you're going to get buried with mm-hmm. insurance and realtor fees and you know appraisals and uh, there's so much that goes into that that everyone's like oh i had no idea yeah yeah exactly furnishing a home yeah or when your air money. conditioner goes out and
0: it costs five thousand dollars like it did to me four months after moving into this house you know, it's like, I mean, that's just one of the things a homeowner shipped. You. I wouldn't have had to deal with if I was a renter.
1: We but put one of our rentals up for sale. And as soon as we put it on the MLS, the next day, someone came in and stole the air conditioning unit. And I had to put up $4,000. Mm. Now, granted, insurance covered all that. But the.
0: You didn't steal your own air conditioning unit, did you?
1: Maybe. Yeah. What am I going to do with those coils? I don't even know what they look like. They got Freon or something in them. I don't know. Something in them. I don't
0: know. So for, for people at home that are you know breaking out a pen and paper, the 10 topics, just one more time, were an introduction to money, number one, budgeting and cash flow, number two. Number three was contract reviews, knowing your worth. Number four was student loans. Number five was student loans as well. And we talked about the difference there. Six and seven were both investing. Eight was interacting with the financial industry. Nine was asset protection. Then 10 was real estate. Should you buy a house during residency? So those are the, those are the 10 topics that we're covering this year.
1: Yeah, that was good to, to summarize them. And I want to do a quick little maybe takeaway segment here, Jimmy. So as you're building this, what are maybe some of the things that you've learned that you're like, hey, don't make this mistake or hey, this happened and this is a really good thing or this is you know just some observations like takeaways as you've been building this, maybe reflecting on it. Can you give us a couple?
0: Yeah, so you know some of my takeaways actually came from working with Dr. Peters. He's the one of the uh, deans of the medical school that I mentioned earlier. He had obviously a, a wealth of experience and so having a mentor in this process has actually been really, really helpful to me. And so he proposed an idea called a student design team, and I think this is just brilliant. so, what I did is I got five or six students from different classes in the medical school and I brought them in and I said, hey, I just want to meet with you. I want to discuss this potential curriculum and see what your thoughts are. And um, I brought topic ideas and just opened the meeting and, and basically before I even presented those, I said, hey, this is the idea. We're gonna teach you about personal finance. What would you want to learn? What would that look like? What, what, what would an ideal curriculum in your mind be? And I just let them talk. And then I talked about what topics you want me to cover? And they pitched some ideas and i said okay well what about these topics and i put it in front of them and i read them i let them vote from one to ten to rank them in terms of what they thought the most important topics were and then they came out of the point system to to basically determine which ones are most important to include and which ones like taxes that aren't on there you might notice may not be as high yield for them because they're they're adults They're these are smart educated you know hard-working people and so Really, all I have to do is point them in the right direction and and then they will be able to pull in the resources themselves. I mean, these people have pocket computers sitting right next to them that they can just Google whatever they want. So if they want to know a piece of information, they can they can learn that. So I want to know, how do you want to go about learning this stuff? Do you want it to be more top, you know, more engagement, more conversation, more lecture based? And that student design team was really, really helpful to get inside their heads and see what they needed and not what I wanted to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't build it all by yourself right and we always think and I get trapped in this as a planner. Well, I describe, you know, XYZ this way on the show and someone usually emails me. Mm-hmm. Oh, pretty much on every show I get some email and it's you said this and I don't understand it. Yeah. You said this and this didn't make sense for whatever reason, can you explain it a different way? So having that team to tell you like I want to learn about this and I want to learn it this way. I think that's huge. That's yeah. such a good idea.
0: Yeah. And, and speaking of team, so a second takeaway would be that there are two different ways to do this. And I struggled with this a lot. So one way is to give all the lectures yourself. And so the, you know, the, and there are pros and cons to both of these. The second one is to bring in experts to talk about certain topics and that you moderate them. You give them specific instructions, you review the slides, you make sure that the right information is being put in front of them in terms of, you know, not being solicitation and then you sit in the front row and and you kind of ask questions or direct the conversation as as students ask or you know because when one speaker comes in they may not know that 3 weeks ago you talked about a different subject that this this same thing they're talking about right now is brought up and you say oh hey guys you remember when so and so came and talked about this and this is the same idea that's just being presented a little differently today and so i decided on the moderated with experts model instead of the do it yourself model and the reason why is just because i thought that it would be a a little bit too cumbersome. and B, I don't know that the students would really want the same person sitting up there and talking for ten weeks in a row. In addition to that, there's obviously huge value that experts can provide that i I can't. And so you know I thought that it might be helpful for them. Now, after this year, I might realize, oh, well, actually, I could teach those topics and and keep them in house or find somebody local from the community because the tough task that I had with this moderated with experts model that I chose, is finding speakers so i'm very well connected in this space because my blog and so it was not hard for me to find speakers but if you're in you know some other place and you don't exist in the personal finance space for physicians it may be more challenging to find speakers to come and talk to you so you may have to pull from your local community so there, there are pros and cons to both of these models
1: there's also something where they can email you and say hey i'm looking for a speaker on xyz do you know of anyone you can email me as well but uh, Jimmy, they can probably email you. What's your email?
0: Yeah, so you can email me at thephysicianphilosopher at gmail dot com or at editor at thephysicianphilosopher.com. And I'm also happy to come and speak at at various programs and and help get things off the ground. You know, whenever someone's looking for look, looking for some help in in this realm.
1: Yeah, that's a good a good segue here as we round out the show. That, you know, you're building this awake. It's obviously becoming more successful, and 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 as you're putting it together, I can't wait to see kind of how these iterations kind of work through but it's one place there's thousands of places that need this information because if everyone had access to this information I honestly feel like this podcast probably wouldn't exist mm. because you would already have been armed with a ton of knowledge that you wouldn't get taken advantage of that as we work with clients they wouldn't have so much to fix and then catch up on. They would be looking ahead with already basics of plans and i know in the book you know so we wrote the book that comes out in january self-titled financial residency you can build out a basic financial plan with that but as you're building these curriculums that is something that they're essentially doing on their own Mm. and i love that you're putting this together so all of you listening that want to do something like this i know jimmy would be happy to to discuss these things with you offline if you're an administrator or if you're a program director or whatever, and you are interested in maybe starting this piece, you can ping him and ask questions on, on you know the pros and cons and challenges that he's maybe faced that we haven't discussed here. But, you know, Jimmy, I, I liked doing the interview style format this time because this is something that's really unique to you. And I think really you're making a difference in people's lives here. And I think that this is really really awesome stuff so I appreciate that, man I I appreciate you diving into this and kind of letting us know the topics and takeaways and all that good stuff is there anything that we maybe missed that you'd like to to get out before we close it out
0: the only other thing I really want to mention is that one of the key pieces to this is that culture is super super important so and this is you know just in general for wellness burnout personal finance This topic tends to be really taboo, money, and so that's why it's not taught at a lot of places, and a lot of attendings aren't comfortable talking about the subject, but the more that we have these conversations, the more that we introduce them as an educational opportunity, the less taboo this will be, the better we'll be able to equip our residents to learn their craft instead of being focused on the financial stress problems that they have at home. And so encourage conversations, encourage feedback for the curriculum if you decide to build one. And as Ryan said, I'm happy to come and, and talk, to you I'm happy to come and talk to your students or your residents and provide some some help there if if I'm able to in any way so please don't hesitate to reach out and I'll help you in any way that I can.
1: Awesome. Well, as always, thank you all for being here. We really really appreciate it. You know, time is precious and that you are here trying to make your financial lives better and we're excited that you're doing that with us. So, have a great rest of your week and I will see you guys on Friday. Cheers.
0: Take care.